Okay, Gutavach. As you uh, know, tonight is the last shear of the season. Next month's Shabbos will be Perm. So I'd first uh, like to uh, thank whenever you list. Uh, it's going to be a little risky. But uh, Yisrael, our video man, without Yaakov, I couldn't get here every month's Shabbos. And this Choshev uh, in the back did an ace tonight. The only night where everybody showed up on time is when we uh, couldn't start on time because I don't know why that happened, but that's the way it goes. So, Shui, next season we're going to aim for 9 o'clock sharp. I'd like to thank uh, Shui for uh, helping uh, to organize and sponsor. We're going to get to the second sponsor in a moment, and uh, Zarach and Hezatius Chayel for uh, communicating uh, with the Eilam on the very Shearim. And our second sponsor, who I already embarrassed three times last week, uh, reminded me that uh, Zion Adar is a very chosh of a day because it's Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday. Um, and I can't even say the word lahavdo because we all try to grow to be Moshe Rabbeinu, but it happens to be uh, Harry's birthday also, which I didn't know until tonight. I probably did know, but he reminded me. Not that I should mention it. The reminder was not, he didn't think I'd do this tw- two weeks in a row. Uh, but I, um, uh, besides uh, the second thank you for the uh, organization and sponsorship of the Shir and the Abbas's Torah, we should have uh, many, many uh, more on such a Mazel Dika day. It's quite a day to have a birthday if you're going to pick already. And um, it's, uh, I reminded him right before the Shir that if you're having fun, Time really goes by very quickly, as we were just discussing some other milestones in life not 12, 13 years ago. Uh, we had a discussion about birthdays and various uh, celebrations and the like, and Baruch Hashem, everybody's here uh, learning and increasing the Abbas's terror many years later. So, Mr. Hashem, for another uh, 70, 80 years or so, and we'll be, uh, we'll be fine. I warn you, though, that the Sfarma Gadeshim say that whatever shear you're in, you're stuck in the same shear, above. So we have all of the Vimishainim, then we have the Megillahs. You know, there's plenty to do if we don't uh, finish on time. But uh, Mr. Shemesh should be with Mazel. Okay, I'd like to start with what I think is a very important uh, overview on Perm, which is these themes that we've been on the entire year. And it has a number of steps, so we'll see how far we get. If we end with this, we'll save the rest of the Navi for next time. If we can get a little Navi in, I'd like to do that as well. There is a very famous medrash, which is always quoted around Purim time. It's actually not in the Megillah. It's a medrash that describes, speaking of shiurim, a shir that Rabbi Kiva Bechvede Ba'atzma was giving. It's a medrash rabbin, Parshas Chayisara, Parshas Nunches. And before I tell you about the shir. I'll remind you who Rabbi Kiva was, not that anybody needs a reminder. Rabbi Kiva was the, not only the God of Ladar, Moshe Rabbeinu Binavua saw all the future G'daylim, and as the um, video, as we would call it, was fast-forwarding, going through all the uh, trials and tribulations of the future of Klai Yisrael and their leaders and the decisions they would make. So Moshe Rabbeinu gets up to Rabbi Kiva and he sees him darshaning out of every tag and every ice. We're talking about Nigla, Nister. 
Rabbi Kiva is, if you had to pick a Tana, not that I'm choosing or getting involved, Rabbi Kiva is uh, front and center in the Shlauschels, the Maseri, his Talmidim carried it on. And Moshe Rabbeinu asked, if you have such a great person, why are you giving the Torah through me? Akash Baruch Hu didn't ask the question because it's uh, certain things you can't be privy to. Akash Baruch Hu said, I want it this way, and that's the way it is. And then Moshe Rabbeinu said, at least show me his chayr. And then he saw the next picture was Rabbi Kiva being tortured. Zutaira, Zuzchaira. This is just to frame who is giving shir here. Somebody that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't understand why the Nasim Zatari wasn't through him. And as he was giving shir, this particular shir, this doesn't happen here, and I'm certainly not offerve for Tachas Vagler Abikiva. But you see that everybody, Lefima Dregasam, he was giving shir to, I guess, future Tanaim and Hamanam. And uh, these Halika people were learning 22 hours a day. And it says he was giving shir and they were tired. Not due to the lack of godless of the Magashir, that's why I gave you the introduction, or the lack of godless of the Tamidim. They, sometimes you get tired. So, Rabbi Kiva wanted to wake them up. So how are you going to wake them up? So you say something uh, a little off topic. We would say, say a joke, but Chazal only give a small allowance for that. The beginning of Shia, you can say a milsa b'dichusa. Not in the middle, apparently. I don't know if it's usher, but uh, if anything comes out humorous here, I don't plan it. So Rabbi Kiva is trying to figure out uh, what's going to wake them up. Tzibam Esnamne, Bikesh Lairan, Amar... I assume they were learning Ervin, Oxen, Chumas, Mises, but nothing to do with Perm. Amar Maros Esther Shetimlo Chalsheva Vesa Mea Medina. Why was Esther Zecha to rule, which effectively is what happened with Mordechai and Esther after they took over Beis Haman? Maros Esther Shetimlo Chalsheva Vesa Mea Medina. Elatava Esther Shahaisa Bas Bita Shel Sara. The great, 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 great granddaughter of Sarimenu. So Sarah was to live 127 years, so it's only fitting that her descendant, Esther Malka, should rule over 127 Medinas. And that woke everybody up. Sides being Pashapshat woke everybody up because that's a very fascinating piece of information. Midi and it kind of makes you wonder what's the connection. And indeed, what is the connection? And uh, you have a funny feeling when you read this medrash that there's obviously a lot beneath the surface, like any medrash. And that what woke them up is not this change in topic and the interesting point of information. There was a deeper message over here. The Mepharshim suggests a common theme that they suggest to answer this medrash is that Rabbi Kiva was pointing out the value of time. Esther took after Sarimain, or Sarimain was known, as we know from Rashi and Chumash, 120 and 7, that every stage of her life was used in the proper way, and every moment was used, and all her talents, and uh, she was tremendously accomplished, and Naki from Chait. That's the uh, calling card of, of Sarimain, and of any great Sadiq and Sadiqas, that nobody knows how much time they have 120, 127. Rabbi Kiva, it happens to be lived 120 years. There's another medrash that gives you an example of Gedalim who lived 120 years and gives you the different parts of their life. 
But whether it's 120 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 100, the responsibility in terms of what our achrayas is not in how long we live. It's not really up to us. Certainly, mitzvahs and my sentavim help and keep it of aim is up there. We're going to highlight that the next sugi at the night seder if you're following Chukosayim. It's ending in a week or two. Next one's keep it of aim and uh, probably going to last a good few months, I hope. And the Torah promises are Yavim. So there are ways to push the agenda, but at the end of the day, it's not really our decision. How we spend the time is well within our reach to try, if not perfect, but try to do the best we can. And when Rabbi Akiva is giving shiro, I'm sure they appreciated who Rabbi Akiva was, but if the Yetzirah gets somebody to be drowsy and start uh, dozing off, that's not an effective use of time. And Rabbi Akiva, not, obviously not l'chvaydois, said that you have to make sure that every minute is accounted for and your planning and time management is important. Time management's a big sugya now because nobody has any time for anything because everybody's constantly distracted. That's why in the, in the secular world, time management, like the people giving seminars on time management, I'm sure while they're talking, everybody's on their phone doing five different things. There are ways to solve the problem if we just move the clock back 20, 30 years, but time management does take planning. And if you want to squeeze more out of your day, you have to think about it and constantly try to raise the bar, so to speak. I'd like to focus on three areas maybe three out of five or out of ten, we have time for three now, and three are all well represented in the Megillah, of where I think we as uh, human beings with emotions, with the eight Saharas, waste an incredible amount of time. And all three are found, are highlighted in, I think, the main plot, if you'll call it, of Megillah Sester and the backdrop of what Chazal have to say about what's really going on. So I'd like to go through all three of them. And I think all three have to do with trying to avoid the pitfalls that we're going to complain about next month at Shabbos and hopefully get us iris from the godless of what we see in Mordechai Tzadik and Esther Amalka and the Tzadikim and Tzadkanias in the Megillah. Let me start with the first one. All these are based on very famous Chazals. Uh, the question is, what's the Pshat? Uh, famous Gemara and Chulin, Kuf Lametes Amad Beis. Haman Minatari Minayin. Everybody knows this Gemara. Haman and The Gemara gives this mysterious answer to Mordechai and Atarimenayin, Haman and Esther. So Haman and Atarimenayin, Haminaits. So this, many Mefarshim say as well. What's the Shaykh's the Eitz Haman was raised from being really a nobody to Mishnah Lamelech. He's a viceroy, and he's the most powerful man in the world besides Ahasuerus, probably not more powerful than Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, in order to exercise power, you probably have to be sober. So, um, although Churchill managed to do it, even though in between uh, he was actually very effective and actually did a lot of good things uh, for the world, but you'd be amazed at how many hours of the day he wasn't always, well, put it this way, he was celebrating Perm or some fact, so many thereof. Uh, and that's Churchill, I'd say. There are many other examples to the extreme, but you would think Churchill... Uh, was, uh, I think you mentioned that to me, right? Despite his accomplishments, he was uh, sometimes under the influence. So Ahasuerus is probably less uh, focused than Haman was, not to his great credit if you're focused on evil, but Haman was really 
calling the shots. And he had absolutely, like, there's nowhere to go. How much covet can you have? So there are five million people bowing, groveling, shaking when he walks near the, uh, the room, the auditorium, the, down the block. And one fine day, he's walking down, and there's one fellow, he doesn't even know too much about him, as the Pusik says quite clearly, and doesn't bow. And his reaction, he's furious, and he's bitter, and he, he's really sad, like, calls uh, in a shovely, like, all the cover to have, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. That's such a, we're so used to the statement, it's so bizarre. Like, why would you even notice they tell me that uh, President Trump spoke recently, some public venue. Yeah, like, like probably 50, 60 million people uh, watching. So I, I guarantee you one thing. There's a man, at least, that knows how to enjoy covet a little bit. <laughs> Would you say? So I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch it. I, didn't, I don't even think I saw a picture of it. But I can picture he's probably having a good time. I guarantee you I know, and I know that he knows. There were probably at least one or two people of the 50 million people watching who had not such nice things to say as he was speaking before and afterwards. Correct? Is that a good assessment? One or two? Or 51% or 60% or 70%? It bothers him on some level, especially if it's 55%, but it it didn't... uh, at the moment, I'm sure it didn't stop him from enjoying the uh, fact that he had covered. Haman was made on himself. Kalzana Shavalis, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. All this covet means nothing to me, as long as one guy's not bowing down. So, how can that be? So, Lahavdil Elif Avdalis, Mamish, and a few more million. I'm talking about Haman Arusha, Mamalik, and other Mauritian. But, the Gemara is trying to get across the point. Picture the scene, Adam al-Chavah put in Gan Eden. And the Gemara Sahajan describes it very clearly. They, this is Mamish Gan Eden, like we use the expression. It was 70 degrees and sunny, if that's what you like. If you like 20 degrees and snowy, that's whatever. It was gorgeous. There was no shortage of what to eat. Thousands and thousands of species of trees and fruits, delicious, every color, every taste you can imagine. Gemara says the Malachim were barbecuing as they were sitting there. Malachim were they're having a barbecue. Malachim tzaylin Malach. They probably know how to cook. And Masan Yayin, and they had this snake who stood up straight, who was serving all the stuff. I mean, you couldn't, uh, can't have it better. No more, in, and they were a Baldi Madrega. But in terms of the Gashmi, in terms of having it made, there's. Can't write a better script. And one small detail is you only have one less essay. Out of these 89,000 trees, there's only one you can't eat. And when they got that sivu, automatically you have a Sahara, and that's the one they ate. And this is Adamish Nuchava, tremendous Bali Madrega, handiwork of a Baruch Hu. And the Gemara says it's the same Mida, again, the drastic difference in the personalities, but the same Mida. Hamina eats. It got so bad that when he saw Mordechai not bowing down, he, and I'll read the Lush and the Pazi, so we're so used to these, but step back for a moment and think, 
Higidaloi as Amordechai. That means that when he saw Mordechai, he didn't know he was Jewish. It's interesting. Talk about Amalek. Amalek wants to wipe. It says clearly from the Pesach that he didn't have an agenda at that point in time to kill out all the Jews because he never would have thought of it because he didn't even know Mordechai was Jewish. And when he started asking about him, he said, oh, that's his nation. Oh, we're going to kill all of them. Now here's where we, and we're, we're, the theme over here is staying on focus. So here, Haman, if he wanted, was the beginning of a very glorious political career. Get the best job in the world, the most cover, the most power, the most money. And he's going to risk, because of one person, that's already insane, but that's the Minaites syndrome. For one person, he's going to execute somebody. When he finds out, he does a whole badika. He finds out he's a shtickle politician himself, and he's in the government. And it's risky to get rid of Mordechai, because Ahasuerus might like him. As a matter of fact, he did like him. In fact, the Gros says that he didn't want to spell out to Ahasuerus who he wanted to wipe out because he knew he liked him. So you look at the description, he never really spelled out who it was because he was afraid he'd be stopped. So it's risky enough already to try to kill Mordechai. You get on Ahasuerus's nerves and you see what happened to Vashti. So why risk it? This is not a question of more covet. It's a question of getting rid of everything you have and destroying it. It doesn't stop there. Then he says he investigated where is he from, and he says, oh, he's Jewish. He says, oh, the Jews. He says, now I've got to get rid of the whole nation. It didn't say, we'd like to think it's because he's a monk. He wants to kill Jews anyway, but that's not, that's probably true in the backdrop, but the Pusik doesn't say that. The Pusik says that he's now only going to kill the Jews because Mordechai is from the Jews. What does one have to do with the other? Just has to make sense of what's going on in Haman's mind. And the risk now is exponential. Because one thing, you get rid of one guy, he's a friend of the king, you say, whoops, I didn't know you liked him. Genocide in any government, no matter how evil the people are, is a risky proposition. And uh, this can backfire, and he can get himself fired or get himself killed, both of which is going to happen. So why is that worth it? Why, why kill Kal Yisrael? Get rid of Mordechai. He, he's a thorn in your side, so get rid of him. Why risk killing out the whole nation? So, there are some who say a very fascinating idea. And here's where, again, we're trying to, we want to find out what do we waste time on. So we waste time on worrying what people think about us and waste time on worrying about what we don't have. We waste time on trying to think of how to get things we don't need. And the first need that we learned already before we explain this next pasuk is the Samech B'chalkali is the key to saving time. We don't really, you look at the schedule, it was how much time we spend sometimes over-earning money we don't need or over-reaching for COVID we don't need. And that takes a lot of time and effort, a lot of diligence, and X amount of shtadlis is needed, but as Avdesla said, Zeyasapecha is a klala, you don't have to add to it when it's not necessary. Haman here has everything, and there's one person he's already bent out of shape. So lesson number one is, Sameh B'chalka will save you a lot of time and energy and keep you focused. The second part is, in order to remain focused, you have to figure out what Tukhash wants from you in life. You start with Shas and Paiskim and asking Shailas, and then you tweak it to your particular situation. There's Shokhanach, which everybody has to keep, and then there's your particular situation on a particular avoid you have to work on. And then as soon as you come to the Emmets, you run with it, and you don't veer from the path, you don't let anybody talk you out of it. And the second part, where people waste a lot of energy, 
and time on is worrying about what people say and what people did say and what people will say and they're constantly following the herd and uh, they're so submissive to uh, the way the wind blows and they can't stay on path they can't remain focused because even though they had the MS but you know there's so many people who disagree maybe it's not politically correct Haman realized this pasuk is he said, oh, the Jews? He's now going to kill everybody. Why? Because if I kill Mordechai, it's not going to do any good. Because this nation is going to produce another 5, 10, 10,000, 10 million. They're being trained. I'm in a positive sense, is that this is not only Mordechai. All Jews, once they realize this is the din, they can't bow down to have an avodah on my neck or say, I'm an avodah zara. We have to make a kid of Shem, whatever the case may be. If I kill Mordechai, it's going to be another one right behind him. So what have I accomplished? So I got to get rid of everybody. And he was right about that. Godless Eklai all is we have G'daylam, we produce G'daylam, but it's not the, even the quote unquote Pshuteyam. They will, as they did in the Middle Ages and many, many times in history, they will be willing to die al Kiddush Hashem if they realize it's right and they don't care what everybody thinks and what everybody says. So Haman understood that and he said, therefore, if I get rid of Mordechai, it's not going to help. I've got to get rid of everybody. So rule number two is not to, once you find the MS, not to be pushed away from your goal because you're constantly worried about what people are commenting and how they view you. If you're doing the right thing, do the right thing. To boot... Mordechai, the second time the Pesach reports was seen by Haman, later in Parakev, after he came from the first party, and he was furious, he said, I'm going to get rid of him right now. What does Lozom mean? Lokam means he didn't get up. He didn't bow down, that Haman knew it. Now he didn't even get up. He get up, yeah, a fellow walks by, he's a power. He didn't get up. Now he didn't get up. Laza, what does Laza mean? Laza is mamasha, the godless is hard to imagine. Laza means he didn't move. Why is that significant? If you're afraid of somebody and they walk by you or within your Dalaramis, you'll, you'll twitch. If you don't move voluntarily, you'll tense up. Haman here is that we don't understand what power he had. It's just he looks at you cross eyes off with your head. And Mordechai worked on himself to such a madrega that not only wasn't he willing to bow, he wouldn't even get up. Not only didn't he get up, his body cooperated. You see, if he would take a lie detector test, there would be no, nothing on the graph that would jump. Haman walked by, and Mordechai, if a cat would have walked by, would have made more of a ration. That's what Mozart means. And Haman saw that. He said, the guy, he didn't even like, everybody's used to like melting when he comes near. He didn't even walk by, you know. Nothing. No reaction. And can you imagine how furious that got him? He said, I, I'm not even a, I'm not even a newspaper boy. You look up for a second, you say, you know, anything new, can I have a paper? Nothing. No gracious whatsoever. We have to try. We're not going to reach Mordechai Madrega necessarily, but uh, you have to condition yourself at the office, uh, sometimes even with your acquaintances, that you made a decision. You have uh, your marching orders, so to speak, and the fact that people are jealous and they make fun or they think you're um, overdoing it or they think this. They, if, you, if you understand this is what Rasen Hashem is, then... As not only do you not bend, you don't even twitch. And that's, uh, 
it's an awesome thing to see in a Megillah that the, the word Lozal comes in that Mordechai worked himself to this Madrega. To um, bring this idea again to the Parsha, Parsha's Truma, Sham Hirsch points this out. The Pasuk starts off, Asu Aron Atzei Shitim. How do you refer to the Aron? Atzei Shitim, wood. Then the Pasuk says, gives the dimensions, and the Pasuk says, You have gold on the outside, outside, inside, it's covered with gold completely, and then there's a Zer Zahav on top of gold. So Shashafar says, You have basically gold here. Gold on the outside, gold on the inside, a little wood, part of the sandwich, and then gold on top. Why is it known as the Aron Atzei Shitim? The most valuable thing here is the gold, not the Atzei Shitim, that's wood. So he says that the reason the Aron was made of both is because the Atzei Shitim is wood, wood is a growing organism. And Torah, the godless of Torah, that's why we have Torah Peh, is we could take the age-old rules, Yud Gimel Midas, and all the Lachma Shisinais, and all the Mishnayas, and apply it in every generation, our generation especially, the last 50 years, more than ever. My Meisha, every Tshuva starts off. It's just, uh, Meisha was in America, passing these Shailas in the 1940s through the 1980s, and every Shaila, from cars to uh, surgical treatments to everything was new, and everything starts off with a Gemara, and a Rashba, and a Gra. That's the godless atzeshitim. Is it's it's wood. It's growing, and that's Tyra. In order to ensure the survival, because the danger when you have people who aren't lettered and don't understand what the Messiah is really about, they say, "Oh, you know, you apply, you apply, hey, apply." So we can make changes and do this. Take the atzeshitim, cover it with the metal that's known to mankind. Doesn't rust and doesn't tarnish and doesn't. And it stays and it's and gold, gold on the inside, gold on the outside, completely protect it and hand it over to the people who are in charge of the Messiah so they can grow the Messiah and reapply it in every single generation, but yet make sure it doesn't change and cover it with this precious metal. That's how he describes the composition of the Aaron. That's really what this is all about. The fact that doesn't mean we don't budge, that we can't apply something. We, we're, we're bending. We're not bending the halacha. We're bending the circumstance to understand how the Allah fits in, and there's a big difference between the two. The next Eitzah that I find in the Megillah, lesson number three on how to stay focused. This one's probably the most challenging, especially for intelligent people who like to um, feel they're very intelligent, they think out of the box, and they're creative, and we, we applaud all that. But again, we applaud all that, but that's the atzeshitim, the growing wood, but you better make sure you're well-protected and well-guided. There's a famous kasha they ask. The Gemara points out, actually these are two Midrashim, one's a Yalkut, both are brought down by Rashi. When Esther Hamalka is kidnapped, can't use a different word, because that's really what happened. She wasn't looking for the job. She was actually hiding, and they came, and they knocked on the door with a search warrant, and Mordechai Tzaddik uh, didn't want to answer the door, and then they probably broke down the door. And they probably came in, they said, any eligible people for the beauty pageant? And he said, of course not, and then they pushed him aside, just imagined the scene, and looked anyway. 
So after she was taken to the palace, so Mordechai comes. What to find out what's going to be here? What's the end of the story? Rashi brings down that there was a remez which she understood, which you understand, even the first time you're reading the Megillah, that there's got to be a very good reason why an Isha Tsunua Tzadekis like Esther Marcus should be taken to the palace. They didn't take every single lady. And according to one Madamar, she wasn't even especially attractive. Why they take, The whole thing was bizarre. And they have a million houses to search. Why they, why they search over here? And yet she was taken against these odds. So it must be that Minashamayim, there's a reason she's here. And Mordechai Tzadik came every day to find out what Hashem has in store for Esther Hamalka. Nope. So he had the Ruach HaKadosh, an intuition that we don't know why yet, because everything didn't come out yet, but there's probably a reason why she has to be here. Nope. We all know that Rashi because we know the end of the Megillah, and we know that indeed there was a reason she was there, and it was a good thing she was there, and she saved Klyestrol. Kavaldik. All that's pretty poshitas. The only problem is you get to Pasuk Yud where it says, She had strict instructions which are very difficult to keep, but she, she kept it. And she succeeded. It says, when they ask you where you're from, who your people are, who you're attached to, don't breathe a word. I can't imagine every, every year we land the Megillah, I still don't understand how she pulled this off. The one of the Nisim. How do you? I, I don't understand why they kept asking. Why they figure it out? The same kasha like Muhammad starts asking, "Who is this Mordechai fellow?" You mean the guy with the beard and pears? Yeah, who is he? Said, but what people does he belong to? The Italians, Croatians? Like, well, where does he? I, I don't really understand what the question is, but uh, I don't know. Either everybody had beards and the pears were not as pronounced. Um, I'm getting into dangerous territory, but they were brisket pears and everybody else. I don't know. Isn't it strange? I mean, if he looked distinctly Jewish, would she? So. Maybe Haman uh, never met a Jew. You go out to this great country of ours, you know, go down south, go to Utah. You know, they, you'll bump into people who just never had the pleasure. So they'll ask you to pick up a yarmulke to see if their horns inside. Whatever, whatever, you know, whatever they, they think of preconceptions. Haman maybe didn't know. Okay. It's still, uh, it's one, I think, one of the Nisim Nistarim of the Megillah that... Uh, they keep asking her, where are you from? And she doesn't answer, and he tries to get out of her, and then he starts giving tax breaks to certain people to see which one is offering a tax break. If, if I just know what nation you're from, I'd like to give him a big break, like, you know, 70% off or something like that. She still wouldn't talk. And um, what nation would you think? Which nation out of all 127 Dinas probably wouldn't want to say? It's all 2020 hindsight. They couldn't figure it out. Now, the question is, that's just a side Kasha had, but the question over here is why was she given these instructions? So Rashi over there in the Pasuk says that Mordechai told her, and I'll read the Lashon of Rashi, The only conclusion you can come to, most people boast about their yichus. So why would you have a lady who doesn't want to talk about where she's from? Probably because she's from some lowly mishpacha of some nation of um, man-eating aborigines and she doesn't want to talk about her past because it's going to get everybody nervous. So Mordechai told her, don't say anything because if they come to that conclusion, they're going to throw you out very quickly. doesn't pass them. Now it's going to take somebody from deepest, darkest Africa. doesn't... Uh, so... Rashi just told us that he has a plan over here to get her thrown out. ASAP. 
Now you have both Rashi's. Is there a contradiction here? First Rashi says he's going every day to find out what Yeshua is going to come out from her, that she's in a position now of power and how is she going to use it and how do we figure this out? And then the other Rashi says he rides her every day. Make sure you don't tell anybody so they throw you out quickly. Or she gets thrown out quickly. She's not going to be able to help and create a Yeshua for Christ, well, will she? So which is it? It's a pretty important Yeshua, at least when you get to the answer. The answer is that Mordechai and Esther probably figured out as well that if she ends up staying, it's probably for very good reason and uh, it's probably going to be needed. However, right now there's um, serious averas going on. She's Jewish, Ahilagat Sadekis, and Ahasuerush is not. So whatever Sukkot Sahedrin, Gilei Rais, not Gilei Rais, whatever category is under, it's a serious avera. And the halacha is she has to get out ASAP. Why it's not Yahavah Yahavah, look in Sanhedrin, Syria Shaila, why it's not? It isn't, but she has to get out. So the plan is that we're going to do everything we can to get you out of here and get you tossed out because they think you're a nobody. And they didn't consider a contradiction at the same time while you're still here every morning to figure out uh, maybe there's some Yad Hashem. No, if it's Yad Hashem, so what's going to be when they're about to throw you out? Should she say then, no, 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 I'm Jewish, I have impeccable yichus, I'm from Malchus, don't throw me out. So what's the din? What is she going to do? She's going to say, okay, last chance. If you don't say who you are, we think you're from some bizyanis dikamokum and we're not interested in keeping you here. So what's the din? Her instructions were, get thrown out as soon as you can. What's the lesson? Lesson is that if we ever have a contradiction between what we think might be Ratzon Hashem and what it says in Shulchan Aruch is Ratzon Hashem, you go by what it says in Shulchan Aruch. And don't dream up your own plans for how you're going to help HaKadosh Baruch Hu run the world. And there's no contradiction. The din is she's got to leave and you've got to get her out. So Mordechai was working feverishly around the clock to get her out. And while she was still there, he was just looking to see, well, while we're here, maybe we can do something. But he didn't think it was a contradiction. And this, uh, when all else fails, and the Yitzhahara is still working to try to let us, uh, let our guard down and lose focus, often for a front person, the Yitzhahara will come up with some wild plan, how, yes, this might be us, sir, but we all know that Hashem wants us to do it anyway. And I'm almost like Elio and I'm going to do some harasha. You wouldn't believe how often I come across this. I asked them, well, what were you thinking? They said, yeah, that normally it's us, sir, but look what we could do for Kleisel. There is no such thing. If you're Elio Anavi, once every couple of centuries, Chizkiyo Amelech, who was very, very great, we didn't get to him at the Navi Shir with the next two years in Mitzvah Hashem. Uh, he didn't get married because he understood Baruch HaKadosh, the kid's going to be rotten. And who wants to bring up a rotten kid? And Yeshayah Navi comes to him. And he said, you better prepare your tachrichim and your tzavah because he's going to die. He said, why am I going to die? He said, Hashem said, you're meddling in his affairs. He didn't get married. And not getting married is not a chiyam misa. But kashed rachman alamalach. This is, you're making cheshbenis over here. You have a din. And then you have uh, something you think that doesn't fit into the general plan of Akash Baruch. You're not helping Akla Yisrael. It's wonderful to want to help Akla Yisrael. But first find out if it's mutter, if it's asr, if it's a chiv, if it's not a chiv. Otherwise, you could be spending a tremendous amount of time with an agenda that you think is from, you think it's Ratz and Hashem, and uh, people with an agenda when they think they're Lishma, they're the most potent and dangerous people around. Because you could think, you decided this is right. Ah, you didn't ask a Shaila. 
That's not what it says in Messias Hashem. That's not what it says in Shulchan Aruch. No, no. Different strokes for different folks, and we live in interesting times, and we got to do what you got to do. Married, it's not a chiyah misa. It's not a chiyah misa. Why is that one of the reasons we give for another panavim? That's why you look at Rashi. Yeah. He gives that reason and another reason and another reason and another reason. And zev 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 zagarim. Each one of those reasons alone would not necessarily have been a chiyah misa. And you go back to our Sinai, which we discussed last week, and the Kohen Rashi, they saw the shechina and they shouldn't have. So that there, that was not an independent reason. It was uh, didn't help matters, but it was part of the mix. And I'm chayshish that it wasn't even the reason in conjunction also they're not getting married it was the on their madrega the gaiva that the reason they didn't get married that plenty of Russian Tzadkani has to marry as Rashi and the Medrash quoting insinuates because they felt with our yichus and our godless there's nobody befitting and the gaiva might be a worse of error than they're not getting married in the first place so point over here is is that the focused person will try to figure out what his job is in this world and can still go off course in a situation where they didn't check and double check that yes, it's Rasul Hashem and it's Mutter or it's Rasul Hashem and it's the biggest chiv you should be doing now and Milano Gadol from Chizkiyo HaMelech that fell into that trap and you look at the Cheshpenes going back to the Yitzhadas, Adam and Chava also had Cheshpenes to bring the Yitzhahar in and to have more of an Yisayim that Cheshpenes but that wasn't the script and those weren't the marching orders Another example of this is next week's Haftera. Yachmo Shol Va'amal Agag. Shol, we're talking about great, great people. Give it a direct tzivui. Get rid of everybody. Hakobakal sheep. And certainly the king, the Avi Avay Satuma. And says, Yachmol Al Agag. So why would he have Rachmanas on Agag? So my conjecture is, some of Farshim suggest part of this, is that he didn't plan necessarily on keeping Agag alive forever. He felt a Kiddush Hashem, you capture the king, and the king's alive, you parade him around. It shows the Kayach of HaKadosh Baruch over our enemies. There is such a thing. Certainly afterwards, they took the uh, defeated army to show the people we won. That was just Gaiva. This is uh, for a Kiddush Hashem. And then tomorrow, the next day, next week, we finish the, uh, the parade. Maybe we'll, not maybe, we, we will for sure take care of him. So why does the Pesach say Yachmo? The answer is this, this difficult sugya. He had a tzivoy, do it and do it now. He had a cheshpen, it's a greater Kiddush Hashem if I wait a week. So the Avera wasn't, he lost his malucha over this. The Avera wasn't lack of zrizus that he was going to kill him tomorrow or the next day instead of today. You don't lose a malchus for that. The Avera was, you deep down had a cheshpen of Rachmanis, you didn't fully understand the mitzvah, and there was something playing in the background, and then... It's subconscious, but in your shoal, you're demanded to um, recognize this. And then you translate into, okay, you know, um, I'll be easy to deal with this tomorrow. And the mile of keeping him alive is I'll show everybody, look what we did. And we beat out uh, his whole army. And the Pusik says, the Yachmos, that's where it was coming from. When you think you know better and you think you have a better idea how to be Magdal Kvei Shemayim, how you define a Kiddush Hashem and a Chil Hashem, which I always tell people the primary definition of Kiddush Hashem and Chil Hashem is it Ratzon Hashem is it not secondary definition is if you're doing something parv which is rare and you're acting like a chalaria on a bus screaming into a cell phone uh, you'll say where does it say it's also where does it say it's mutter the answer is if people looking at you as rude or worse that's a Chil Hashem 
But if you're wearing your tzitzis out or you're davening in an airport and somebody comes over to you and says, ah, Hashem, you're just standing here in the corner and davening, you look like a fool, usually that person is, I hate to say, uh, might be one of our own who is a little bit uh, self-conscious about from Jews showing off their Judaism. We don't look to put it in their face, but you got to daven. And they took all the phone booths out of all the airports. <laughs> so uh, we have a problem now, and now you just got to go to the corner. When I grew up, we went into a phone booth and uh, we had a long distance call um, to a Kaj Baruch Hu, and the, the phone booth was in Israel, was a local call and, uh, and we, uh, we did what we had to do people say ah chil Hashem that's not a chil Hashem <laughs> you're doing primary definition bumps into the secondary definition the primary definition wins so we have to figure out first you gotta really nail down what is the Ratzon Hashem over here and take your feelings out of it and with that you stay focused the last marmachim I have on this for now, interestingly enough, uh, goes to the part of Malachim Bays, which we're not going to be at this season for sure. I think by the end of next season, it's Hashem. Hoshea, the last king of the Ersatzeshvatim. And as kings go from the Ersatzeshvatim, we've already had quite an experience, and you didn't even hear what's coming tonight. I hate to end on a bad note, but after this, we're going to do. Uh, just uh, maybe 10-15 minutes, it's the worst disaster of a series of psukim in the entire Molochim Beis. One assassination after the other, which is not Jewish, and never happened before since in Klai Yisrael. Just, we'll show you how things are spinning out of control in the Aserah Sashvatim, and unfortunately Yehud is not far behind. Hoshea, out of all the kings, was actually not bad, and he's the one, if you remember the last blot in Tainus, where we talk about the wonderful day of Tuba'av, which uh, Nebuch, um, we had quite a, I mentioned to you, we were giving Shein L'chuk HaSem L'Seleichu. I'm so glad I started after Sukkot. We hit Thanksgiving, which is a Shaila, and then we hit the 25th and New Year's, and, and then somebody asked me about President's Day. I had lots of coolers over there. No Shaychas, perfectly mutter. Uh, and then, all of a sudden, Valentine's Day. I, said, you, so I thought the guy was asking, it was like a pre-other joke. I said, you thought that was a Jewish holiday? He said, yeah, somebody told me, like, Tubav, we have a Jewish Valentine's Day. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> Tubav is a Jewish Valentine's Day? <laughs> we try to make shiduchim. What kind? And then he told me there were restaurants and stores selling Valentine's Day. I don't know what, but we've been here too long. Somebody said they had a Valentine's challah. People are out to lunch or dinner, I guess, challah, whatever used it. I don't know. I, it's a Goyusha holiday. That's who saint. When everybody has the word saint, that usually means they shed a lot of blood and usually Jewish blood. So if you start off with the word saint, you're already in the wrong territory. And um, St. Valentine's Day is like, Tavapash is not our holiday. Anyway, Tuba'av is um, a day for Shaduchim, and the Gemara talks about why. It's a happy day. The Gemara gives a number of different reasons. And one of the reasons given is that Hoshea, king of the Asaras Shvatim, finally after. Hundreds of years, it started Yerav Menavat, the first king of the Ersashvatim. He made his own temple, if you recall from this year, put guards by Kvishachar going to Yushalayim and didn't allow anybody to go, you know, the regal, because he wanted them to come to his temple because he didn't want them to go there and he'd lose his job in his head because he's a Marbamachus. And this Harasha, quote unquote, stuck for a long time. Hoshea, the first king to actually get rid of the guards, finally, too little, too late. He meant well, and he said, whoever wants to go up can go up. And then, next year, hopefully we'll get to this, I'll explain it further, but uh, then shortly afterwards, they were invaded, and the Asasa Shvatim went to Gullis, and they, everything fell apart. 
So the first time I ask, why, finally he did something good. He allowed people to go, and this is when it happens. <coughs> the answer is there were two things going on over here. One was that he allowed it, and now there was a kitchen cholesterol. But now for the first time, they were allowed to go, and they didn't go. And the second problem was a kitchen on him that instead of making an announcement, I cleared all the guards. I sent everybody home yesterday. You're free to go, which is not bad, certainly compared to the other kings. He should have said, I took down the guards. I'm being mitzvah by royal decree. There's a mitzvah of the rice of Elila Regal, and everybody must go, and I'm leading the parade. He didn't do that either. He gave a pyrovice. I took him away. You want to go, go. You want to stay here, stay here, whatever you want. And interestingly enough, the Gemara Megillah on Dafyad Bezim and Aleph records that Kosh Baruch had a taina on Kirish. Now, we don't know the next, so who Esther's son was, the Jewish of Kirish. Right after the story of the Megillah, they're going to have the Gula. Remember, Achashverosh started off the Megillah, he counted wrong, made the same mistake Balshatzer made. Balshatzer saw the writing on the wall, literally and figuratively. That's where the expression comes from. And then he got killed. Achashverosh deserved the same fate, and Hashem kept him around because he was going to be used in the story of Kimu Vakivlu, a perm. But they keep making these calculations. They're a little bit off. Well, after the story of the Megillah and the Yeshua, shortly afterwards, they went back, and Mordechai Atzadik went back, and Kairish made an announcement. Anybody wants to go back to Yitzchak, you can rebuild the base of Mikdash. Whoever wants to go can go. So the Gemara Megillah says, Lashon, Amakash Baruch Kabel Ani Lacha Al Kairish, Ani Amarti Hu Yivne Beisi. I gave you Kairish, the most incredible schus. Here you're the ruler of the free or not so free world. You're controlling everything. And I told you, make sure Klai Yisrael goes back now and builds the base of Mikdash. The Gullus is over. And he makes an announcement. Whoever wants to go back can go back. Similar to what happened with Hosea. That wasn't the announcement. And you make an announcement. Whoever wants to go back and go up to Yisrael. So Hashem says, what were you thinking? I gave you this kayach, I gave you this power. The Pasuk even says, hey, Hashem is ruach kayrash. I gave you the, I gave you direction to be in charge of my people, to help them. And you make an announcement, whoever wants to go can go. So, it's the same uh, lack of focus. Well, how did this go wrong? The answer is, is that he had a pretty direct sevoy to tell them to go, and it came out with an announcement, if you want, you can go. So what happened? The answer is, he had his own nagiyas. Whatever, he wants the Jews around, he doesn't want them going up, he's afraid to get too powerful, whatever. Nagiyas was, so he couldn't ignore the sevoy. So he said, okay, I, I was told that uh, anybody wants a safe passage, go right ahead. And that was a taina, because you can't take your subjective views of things, and your yetzahars, and superimpose it on the Dvar Hashem. You have to try to understand the Dvar Hashem without your Nagiyas. And that's a challenge in life, and the challenge always comes up. And the inspiration of the Megillah is that uh, Mordechai and Sadiq and Esther Malka rose to the challenge, and they understood what had to be done without assuming that they should push the agenda. They, wait, they waited, and they saw that, okay, now's the time. And they spelled it out quite clearly in the most powerful line, I think. But there's so many powerful lines. Is that Mordechai Tzadik was so sure that we can't have Nagiyas and we have nothing to do with it. He told Esther Amalka, by the way, there's a Xera that all Kaisal is going to be annihilated. You are queen now. I was kind of looking at this whole plot. Um, I think you should go in and maybe ask the king to change things. And if you don't want to go in, 
don't worry because Christ doesn't be saved anyway and you're going to lose out. You know what clarity of vision you need for that? Most of us would have sent the message to the queen and said, I think you should go in now. And the message back would have been, not a great time. I haven't been invited in a while. And why risk my life? I can go in maybe tomorrow or the next day. And he'll be happy to see me. And our letter back would have been, yeah, that's just fine with us. You know, take your time, whatever is good. You know. <coughs> Mordechai, again, wasn't the Kedaka because it wasn't phased. And he said, no, no, no. If you're here, you're here. And the Ratzon Hashem is the of the right now. And um, you want the Schuss, fine. If not, Kosh Baruch was not short of Shlichem. Which is Ayin Venegar. On that positive note, let's just see some of the bad news. Yes? Wasn't Haman a servant of Mordecai? Yeah, he quickly forgot that piece of history and didn't like being reminded. He didn't recognize it. Uh, he probably, after he investigated, did. And Chazal, uh, that he sort of showed him you know, the piece of paper they wrote out. With the, with the star, which is another reason to get rid of him, but that wouldn't explain why you have to get rid of everybody. The answer is, you want to get rid of everybody because they're all going to act like him, and these Jews are never subordinate to anybody about Kosh Baruch, and we can't have people like that around. That was his, uh, so that was, that was part of the mix. Okay, 